everybody. Thanks very much for joining us for our third podcast here at Steampunk Coffee. Um, this is Kath, and uh, today I am really looking forward to our conversation uh, that we're having with our roasting team, uh, Rachel and Ludvika. Hello. Hello. <laughs> um, you can maybe hear in the background, the, the roaster is still quietly turning, um, and uh, Rachel has just taken a bit of time out from her roasting day to come and speak with us, and then is going to go back and roast you all some more coffee. Um, but just now, we thought it would re be really nice to get to know the people behind the, the roaster a little bit better. Um, and so I thought we'd maybe jump in with a similar kind of topic that we've spoken to the other team members about. Um, and that's just telling us a little bit about how your coffee journey began. I don't know if Rachel, you'd like to maybe start? Mm -hmm. um, sure. Let us know how you got into coffee. Uh, I was living in London. It was 2003, two, a long time ago. And I needed a job. So I got a job as a barista at a cafe called Monmouth Coffee, and they uh, were one of the first specialty coffee roasters in the UK. Um, and then I quickly realized that I'm terrible with the public, <laughs> and I shouldn't be working behind the counter. And they needed a roasting apprentice. They wanted someone to start roasting part-time. So I um, put my hand up to do that apprenticeship, and I got taught how to roast pretty much immediately after I started working there. So I was really lucky. Most roasters work in the industry for years and years and years before they actually get behind a roaster. Um, and although my apprenticeship was was pretty long, I think I, lear I learned how to roast for about six months before I actually roasted anything all on my own. Mm -hmm. um, it, was, it was pretty quick, um, like after I learned about specialty coffee. And that was it. I, I was in my 20s. And um, from there, I, I worked for Monmouth for a while and then decided to do some other stuff. And well, for about 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, after having two kids, I was re sort of figuring out what I wanted to do with my life and career. And I decided that roasting ticked all the boxes. Um, you know, it's, I really loved, I really loved it and I wanted to get back into it. So I got a job in Brooklyn where I was living at the time. And then uh, from there I moved to Scotland and got a job at Steampunk. Cool. How did, um, how did your experience of roasting change over that big time period? You know, the equipment that you're working on and how the roasting is, is done? Did, did you see a big difference from when you started to now? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, the industry, like I got out of specialty coffee right as the third wave was just starting to crest. Like it was mm -hmm. the stupidest time to leave the industry. I don't know what I was thinking, but um, I really desperately wanted to like work in magazines and be an editor and I thought I was gonna like be a editor at the New Yorker or something, I don't know. Um, <laughs> like I was an ideas person. But I, um, so going back into specialty after taking that hiatus, it just is just m much more part of the culture. You know, a lot more people know about it. And um, it's just a much, much bigger industry. Whereas before it was really like a weird, geeky enclave of like strange people who were really into this beverage. Mm -hmm. um, when I learned to roast at Monmouth, we were roasting on an old-fashioned style roaster, which uh, the it was called a Whitney roaster. They don't make them anymore. 
I don't think they made them actually at the time either. I think they'd gone out of production a while back. But um, it was an open flame roaster, so the beans would actually fall through the open gas flame. Oh, wow. We, we roasted in the basement of the shop in Covent Garden. Mm-hmm. Really fire-prone machine. Mm-hmm. It was dangerous. Yeah. Uh, I'm really surprised we were able to do it. Um, but without the health and safety shutting us down. But it was, uh, it was an experience. Now, uh, roasting machines are completely different. When I started roasting, we were, um, you know, logging our roasts on graph paper. Mm-hmm. Time, temperature, you know, gas, and then taking those graphs, you know, notes and putting them into Excel and making graphs and analyzing our roasts that way. Now, of course, we have software that automatically detects, you know, the the temperature in the drum and um, and then makes fancy graphs for us. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot has changed. It's gone from kind of the Stone Ages to to today, where tiny little tweaks in the roast, you know, we. We, we can see make a difference in the cup. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, our tools have gotten a lot better. Yeah. Oh. How about you, Ludvika? When did you first? get into coffee so I started so basically after I have finished my college um, I had the degree to be a math teacher which I pretty pretty quickly have realized there's definitely no chance that I can be a teacher because I don't have patience <laughs> or compassion <laughs> so I basically have just just picked up jobs in hospitality kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do and it took much longer than than I was expecting the years were passing by and I was still working in like different coffee shops uh, first in Poland then in Ireland I have not heard about specialty coffee though before coming into Scotland so my journey with specialty coffee uh, started in here when I came in I was obviously desperately looking for jobs so I applied to like hundreds of places and I was doing interviews almost every day for jobs and so I got two like a serious offers of job one of them was in one of the chain coffee shops that I'm not gonna name but I got myself through all interviews and I got offered to be assistant manager of one of the coffee shops and the other job I got offered was picking glasses over festival in one of the small independent coffee shops in Edinburgh. It's like a coffee shop juice bar. It's called Hula. And like it would sound that the choice was pretty obvious, but the difference between those two places was both of them have offered me coffee on my interview. And the one I've got in Hula was like the best experience I ever had in my entire life. It totally have like my head explode that coffee can taste like that. It also looked beautiful. It had like beautiful latte art that I've never seen before. And as much as I probably should have, like now I know I shouldn't, but back then I obviously thought that I should have taken the other job that was more stable and had more money and stuff. I, I was just too tempted with the idea of drinking the good coffee every day even if it was just like they've only offered me job for like 30 days over festival and stuff Uh, but I still thought I'm gonna give it a chance and just try to work there and I'm so glad I did because 
they obviously offered me a job afterwards and I became a barista there and then a head barista. I worked there for, I think, over four years. Uh, I have seen changes happening in coffee industry over that time because when, when I started there, we had like really excellent head barista, but we didn't have any scales. So everything was, it was just taking months, to be honest, to learn how to make coffee, to be allowed on the machine to serve coffee for the customers. Took, I think it took like four or five months training. Mm -hmm. I wasn't even allowed to make coffee for the first five months. Uh, while taking constant training. I think it's, slight, I would argue, slightly easier right now with the scales. I know people mm -hmm. sometimes get intimidated because we have all of those recipes and we have scales. But I think back then it really, really took like a long time to be able to judge if the shot is tasting good. You mm -hmm. have to like go to mm -hmm. drinking a millions of your own shot of coffee to then learn which one's going to be good and which one isn't. So yeah, I've done that. I have actually introduced scales in there and all the recipes and all like the 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 was training baristas. But the day came when, as much as I was like really excited about how many different flavors I can get from the coffee I'm getting from from our roast, we were getting coffee from artisan roast back then. I just start being curious about what, how would it be if I had control over roasting that coffee, <laughs> obviously. So I. I applied for a job in Steampunk, even though you guys were only looking for a waitress. I remember mm -hmm. Kat said on my interview that I'm overqualified and that she doesn't even have a barista position and that I shouldn't be even applying for that job. But I had this dream that if I work here, then I can sometimes, <laughs> it's almost like in the movies, like I'm going to sweep the floor in the roastery and <laughs> accidentally learn something. <laughs> uh, call me a dreamer, but that actually did happen, except from sweeping the floors, because when I started here, the, the roasting team, Dory and Will, they were amazing people. They were so willing to share all their knowledge with me. I was coming in on my days off, and they would like share all their knowledge, never let me weep their floors even though I even told them to joke that that was the, the they, they said that they would rather me spending time on actually learning and yeah I worked as a barista here obviously as, as a waitress first and uh, as a barista for two three years yeah. and then I became a full-time roster like you have to really like working in a production environment to enjoy a job like roasting because you are just churning out batch after batch after batch mm. and and doing the same thing again and again and again. You know, we pack how many hundreds of bags of coffee a week. It's can be a little bit mind numbing. But the um, the thing about being a roaster is that you have a balance between the um, the work like that and and the really mental work and um, there's always more to learn about coffee mm -hmm. you know whether you're looking at the science of it science of roasting the science of brewing the science of um, flavor perception mm -hmm. there's just tons and tons of things to learn in terms of um, that piece of it and or you can you can look at it from um, you know, it's a natural product that grows as a crop, and how is it grown, and what are the, you know, you need, can learn about the varietals and um, differences between origin countries, and um, and then it's also, you know, something that's traded around the world, so there's an economic piece about it, mm -hmm. um, you know, and understanding the flow of money th through the supply chain. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's just layers and layers and layers of um, really important 
things to learn and understand about the coffee industry. And mm-hmm. so as, a roast, as roasters, we get to um, have our hands in all of those things and learn about all of those things. Well, at the same time, for me, it's like, it's a, it's a mental and physical job. Mm-hmm. That's part of why I love it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm, I'm not sitting at a desk eight, nine hours a day. Mm-hmm. Email is a big part of my role, mm. but <laughs> <laughs> I think email is probably but, sadly uh, a big part of a lot of people's yes, lives. Yes, <laughs> you can't get away from it. Yeah. Um, but it's also, um, you know, it can be creative. Mm-hmm. It can be um, really intellectual. Mm-hmm. It can be, um, you know, and really satisfyingly physical. I love moving sacks around. <laughs> so I'm glad somebody does. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I was going to ask you guys, what does your kind of average day look like? I mean, maybe we could start there to explain to people who are listening who don't really know how the roasting works. Yeah, I would say, though, going back, like, I think Ludvika is quite meticulous (laughs) and very detail oriented, whereas I tend to sort of shoot from the hip a bit more. (laughs) I tend to go with my gut. It is. It's a strength. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, like... I think my biggest strength as a head roaster is just being willing to be completely wrong, you know, like... <laughs> hey, like, that's my favorite strength as a, as a business owner. Yeah, really? like people I, will I, ask me a question and I'll say, well, you know what? I'm not sure, but I think this. So, and she'll go away and she'll test it and she'll do like three or four different things to right. test the theory. And then she'll come back to me the next day and be like, you were wrong and this is why. <laughs> this is the right answer. Let me tell you. So actually, Ludvika's teaching me how to go, roast. you should just go, you're fired. <laughs> but you're right, so congratulations. Yeah. But that's brilliant. I mean, that's the thing that is so amazing about our team, you know, because everybody has such different things that they bring to the table and they're complementary, you know? Yeah. If we all had exactly the yeah. same skills, it would be I guess, hopeless. yeah, I guess because I was studying maths, maybe mm. I do definitely have more of this, like, a logical brain. So I, 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 I quite like to, like, test. It's not that I'm, that I'm scared or I'm not up for testing. I really am up for testing different things in coffee, but I am quite metholo- metho- methodological. methodological about it. Uh, rather than just like go with the flow, I, I mm-hmm. don't kind of do that, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing about roasting is that, you know, logic doesn't always work with it. Mm-hmm. You think one thing's going to happen and then the opposite happens. Mm-hmm. You know, you think, I, I can't even think of an example that's really understandable, but nine times out of ten, for our last coffee, we we roasting the uh, Peru after like million of experiments. We maybe again not getting too much into details of it, but we have broke all the rules of roasting. Made made our curve look really <laughs> ugly, <Yeah. laughs> and, and it, it tastes tastes, and it tastes better than any other roast we've tried. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, and that's the other thing. Like when you're learning how to roast, I remember just being so frustrated because I wanted someone just to tell me how to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, like tell me how to make the coffee taste good. Mm-hmm. But the thing is like when you start reading about how to roast and you start you start you know learning about it you you have three people saying three completely different things and none of them are really right and none of them are really wrong Mm -hmm. it's just a question there's just so many variables that in your roasting operation you need to try different stuff and see what works Mm -hmm. you know and trust your palate 
I think it's also a little bit because it's, it's quite a new industry, like specialty coffee roasting. I'm not saying it's that new, but like in the wider perspe perspective of pe people uh, like caring about specialty coffee, it is like last 10, 15, maybe 20 years. Mm -hmm. So I think that creates the, because there isn't actually that much study. They're, they're, they're being done as we speak right now. Like people are like studying all the science of coffee right now, uh, like crazy. But because it's only happening right now, and we don't have it, like years or centuries of experience in it, I think whoever comes up and is more brave and willing to just say they're sure they're right, mm -hmm. they become a, 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 a god for that mm -hmm. five minutes, and everyone mm -hmm. listens to them. And yeah. then someone else become, uh, uh, comes to the stage and say, no, that was completely wrong. This mm -hmm. is right. Mm -hmm. And yeah, if you're starting as a, as a new roster, it, it can be quite confusing because mm -hmm. you, what can you do? You just go online, basically, try to buy those like five books that exist out there. Mm -hmm. And then you go online and you try to like, you you're hoping someone's going to tell you how to roast coffee. But yeah, the, the trap is that you sometimes go, and I definitely fall, in, fall into that trap that I just uh, go into someone's website or blog and start reading them and like fully believing that because they, they, they spoke with such confidence that I was like, oh, surely they know what they're talking about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I came back here, I started testing it, and I was like, well, I'm not so sure, but maybe, okay, oh, I must be wrong because they, they, they surely mm -hmm. sounded like they knew what they're talking about. And then like three months months later the whole coffee industry goes no he had no idea yeah <laughs> and it takes a lot of confidence to question doesn't it because like you said uh, new ideas come out and they seem to have such a strength of like conviction behind them and it becomes like the trendy thing so you hear all these different yeah. people saying the same yeah. thing and and it, it takes quite a lot of confidence to stand up to that and go actually no we do this in a a different way mm -hmm. uh, and, and to stand up against some of those trends and things. Yeah. Um, um, that kind of brings me nicely to my next question. I was thinking it's kind of cool us sitting here together talking. Uh, we happen to quite by coincidence be um, a, an entirely female roasting team here at Steampunk. Uh, and roasting is pretty heavily male dominated. Um, I mean, there are some notable, you know, fantastic female roasters that we know and admire. Mm -hmm. um, but by and large, the industry is, is male dominated. Um, can you talk at all about your experience of being a woman in this particular industry? Do you think that that has affected your career path or? Um, or not. <laughs> so when I, the first roaster who taught me how to roast was a woman, and that was really mm -hmm. uncommon mm -hmm. back in the early aughts. Um, so I think I've been really influenced and inspired by her mm -hmm. um, blazing that trail. Um, I think in my day-to-day -day work, I don't think about my gender at all because we are all women. I probably would think about it more if we if we weren't a female team. But um, in previous jobs where I've been the only woman, I definitely I definitely felt my gender. And it, at industry events as well, when you're just like the only one or one of three mm -hmm. in a room of fifty or whatever, mm -hmm. it does it. You, I've learned how to throw my elbows out and take up space, you know, and and. 
I think because I'm not squarely on the female end of the general gender spectrum, like <laughs> I would say that I have um, some masculine energy as well as feminine energy. Like I, I just sort of tap into that masculine piece and hold hold my own. Um, but it is like there's not space for for the female energy, you know, mm-hmm. and that's a shame mm-hmm. in a in a mixed environment or in a in a male dominated environment. It's not like men make you feel like unwelcome, but you have to play their game and talk about how big your roaster is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like yeah, you there's have a, to. There's a lot of there's discussions just, of equipment. Yeah, like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, it's just. <laughs> it's like it's also just like so we internalize it I think mm-hmm. we internalize this like competitive like oh I can taste this many cups I was thinking back on our last podcast we did when I was talking to you and I was talking about how many cups of coffee I could taste in a day like what the fuck <laughs> who cares <laughs> like, why do There's I have something to prove you go to coppings is who who's who slurps the loudest? Who slurps loudest? Yeah. Like, yeah. The, and it always so happens ridiculous. to be this one alpha male that when you, uh, at this point, I honestly can walk into the copying room with like a bunch of strangers and I can already tell you who's going to be the loudest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's just also so going to be the one who has the most outlandish tasting notes. Absolutely. You know? like. Yes. Yes. He is going to taste like French lavender. Yeah. There, or, or, yeah. So, yeah, I think that early on I realized there's a lot of bullshit in coffee and mm-hmm. a lot of it is tied to masculine ego. Mm-hmm. And um, it's better if you just take, you know, take the good bits and leave the bits you don't, aren't really interested in. And that's mm-hmm. what I've tried to do as a mm-hmm. female in the industry. You know, I don't have anything to prove to anybody. Um, I love my work and I feel lucky. So. Mm-hmm. I, I want to add to that subject mm-hmm. of, of being woman in the industry. So I think I agree with, with what you said that is we are both women, so there isn't any of that in the roastery. But I think we also are really, really blessed with with the whole team in here. Honestly, we have one of the most amazing men I've ever met in my life. They're really, mm-hmm. really respectful, and I've just I've never felt like I'm any different or less than them from any of them. I honestly didn't. Uh, I was thinking on that subject and I think like once, so I obviously don't get that experience every day of, of feeling my gender and, and my and my workplace or in my job. I, I got a little bit uh, 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 shocker, to be honest, this year, very early this year I went to uh, coffee training that we were talking about when I came back so uh, I went to it, it was like international coffee training so people from all over the world from different countries uh, as expected I was the only female there uh, which I was kind of expecting I do have to say though that the the comments I've got as being the only woman in the group that was definitely not something mm-hmm. I was expecting I've got comments from that how can I justify in my age focusing on traveling for coffee trainings rather than 
looking for husband and children that I'm not getting any younger. And I, and I'm, I, I know it sounds cliche and you might no, be like, oh, that didn't happen. No, that actually literally happened on the first day. It's genuinely hard to believe on that the that happens on, the no, days, Honestly, on the first day, one, yeah. of the men, one of the men there have asked me how can I in my age um, yeah, justify basically spending my time on it if I still don't have a husband and children. Uh, the other man, uh, when it came to the exam and we were doing them in groups so we were in groups of two that's actually my favorite story from that whole event uh, so a little bit of background I, at this point I was a roster for a year and a half so still lots of to learn but I have been rostering coffee for a year and a half this guy have bought roster three days before coming into that coffee training he said he just have like a midlife crisis basically so want to rethink what he's gonna do in his with his life never have anything to do with coffee just bought a roster came into that training which is which is great yeah you want to learn something but when it came to the exam he and again that my sounds like unbelievable but he did say to me uh, don't worry just 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 move um, I got that woman he said to me like because we were meant to do the like, exam together so one of us obviously had to like phys physically go and roast the coffee mm -hmm. and he he did say that and he to says me. to he you said, I got yeah this. he said I got yeah. this woman he literally yeah. said that and I was so angry and and stuff but I have been actually thinking about it since and I do have to say I I I came to the conclusion how privileged we are in here in this part of the world because Despite those situations that happen, I still I've realized that I live in the environment when I can fully tell him where can he shove those comments, mm -hmm. in, yeah. which <laughs> I'm not gonna quote here. But I yeah. I I, uh, I I was I felt like felt like fully safe yeah. to defend myself yeah. and to tell him what I think about his comments. I could see on the faces of the other guys how uncomfortable they were about that situation and they had this like apologetic look. I have to say, I, I wish someone was, would have said something, it would be nicer, yeah. but, but I wasn't in, I wasn't in, any, in any way f uh, uh, make, made feel like, like threatened by it. It was just a stupid comment. Yeah. And I was thinking since then how there's so many women around the world living in the in conditions when they can't mm -hmm. stand up to comments like that. Yeah, and that's where comments we need like allies. that actually mm. actually do determine yeah. their life and where they are in, in the world. Uh, yeah, so I just I think as much as obviously that has to change and stuff. I kind of right now I kind of laugh at the comments like that because they I, I think the women in this industry are really strong and it's just I think we're slowly getting to the point when if if someone makes comments like that, they're just making fool of themselves mm -hmm. rather than threaten you anymore, if you know what I mean. Like it becomes a thing. But it takes, it'll take people calling them on it. When when you came back and told us that story, Rachel and I were like, yes, you go, really? Ludvika, mm -hmm. weren't we? <laughs> you were worried we'd be like, I don't, I don't think you thought we'd be mad. But I you, thought you got, you, uh, to be honest, because you are my boss and you have paid for that training and the language I have used uh, in that situation. I I, th I thought like that you probably might be a slightly I, I was I was really angry that you might be I have threatened to punch him uh, <laughs> <laughs> which I, I I was certain you would not approve yeah. well I'd like, to, I'd like to think that you know the guys on our team would would call out that kind of behavior and yeah. you know people should like people should should feel comfortable to to call out when they yeah it just I, I guess it just made me realize like that. that in both of those cases 
I, the more I think about it, the more I realize they must be from an environment when something like that is okay to say. Because I think, uh, like, in the environment where I work, I can't even imagine anyone saying no. anything like that. So I, yeah. I, I was like freeze for three seconds. But then it saddens me that that uh, where, wherever he came from, he must be used to m making comments like that and saying those yeah. kind of things to women. <laughs> and, and clearly, no one uh, is calling him out on it if he thinks yeah. it's okay. Yeah, I was wondering as you were telling that story. Like, um, I remember when you first came back and told me about it, and. And, and you said that you've been thinking about it since then. And yeah. it, it occurs to me, I wonder if that guy ever thinks about that interaction that he had with you. He probably you. doesn't remember he that he probably, even said, said no. it. It probably is so completely. So the first one, the, the, the one, the comments about the, how I should be looking for husband and children because I'm not getting any younger and stuff, uh, he definitely doesn't because he, he definitely looked like he, 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 he was doing me a favor by giving me advice. <laughs> he even went as far as, as, as um, uh, commenting on my chances in that field. Which that I <laughs> wow oh. yeah, yeah I, I, I thought wow too yeah yeah and when I opposed he said that uh, my chances would be bigger if I was less angry <laughs> 2020 folks <laughs> it's 2020 and we're still getting yeah. that <laughs> and not anywhere like in a professional environment that's that, you know? that's, that's, that's yeah, what yeah, I was thinking exactly. it wasn't it's a that's professional exactly, training yeah, thanks it wasn't for mentioning just, like, that because street. that's what made me the most like uh, frustrated I was like it's not like I came into a pub where a drunk guy is saying that and I can just walk mm -hmm. away we are actually in a professional environment mm -hmm. I've paid for that course it's not yeah. like I can choose not to be around you mm -hmm. uh, you know what I mean like in a regular yeah. life you can just show your middle finger and just go somewhere else you should you shouldn't have to hear comments like that anyway but like that's what you can do there I was I was there there like on the in a professional environment I, mm -hmm. I can't just like walk away and stop yeah, listening you're to there you as right a now. fellow yeah, professional absolutely. the same same yeah. right to be there yeah. as he yeah, does was shocking. Yeah. Yeah. you would never think to make yeah. some kind of comment about his personal life or marital status or whether mm. he has children or, or not. whether I find him that sexy <laughs> no yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. yeah no I've well. never been discriminated against directly in that sort of way I've been not taken seriously yeah for you sure. know, because yeah. I've definitely been in an environment where it was like, oh, don't worry about it, little little lady. Yeah, like, yeah which is the same as like, yeah, you know? I'll got that oh, woman yeah. on, yeah. The, on the on the exam. And I was yeah. like, you've literally have spent last two days roasting and, yeah. and that's your only mm. experience. Uh, uh, if if you had like a tiny bit of a brain, you, you'd be happy for me to roast on that exam because mm. both of our like results depends on it. And mm. I clearly have... I, uh, a year and a half experience in roasting, uh, he still felt like he'd rather risk both of us failing that exam mm -hmm. than let women roast f uh, mm. in that scenario. Yeah. That's what it was, yeah. yeah. <laughs>Talk to us about your day-to-day -day work experience, maybe, so that the guys and women listening out there, kind of who who don't really know the ins and outs of roasting coffee, maybe, so they have a picture of what yeah what does your day look like. Rachel? Depends if you start with emails or not. Yeah. <laughs> First, I come in with a low level of anxiety, and then I open the email box, I quickly shut it again, and go for a coffee. And then I go, Rachel, you need to answer. You. <laughs>
Um, well, we have to turn the roaster on first thing because it is a big cast iron drum roaster and it is heated by gas and it needs to warm up, especially as the seasons get colder. So first thing, Ludvika gets in at eight and she turns the roaster on so that it is nice and hot uh, for whoever's roasting that day. And then we usually cup yesterday's roasts. Um, so we taste all the coffee that we roast to make sure that's, um, that it's meeting the quality standards that we've set out for it. Um, and so, and then oftentimes we have samples that we're tasting um, because of potential coffees that we might want to buy. Um, so that's, that's another thing that we do. And then um, it's roasting and packing. So, um, you know, we have sacks of green coffee that we store, we weigh those out and then, you know, put them in the roaster and they turn brown and then um <laughs> we're gonna easy. do a whole separate podcast yeah. about that turning brown bit <laughs> they come out nice and hot and then we pack them in bags yeah. um and so we fulfill um wholesale orders and we pack coffee for retail sales in the shop and we um we fulfill web orders, so if you order coffee on our website or have a subscription with us, um, we do all that packing and shipping out of the roastery. So, um, yeah, that's about and it. And on the days when we are blessed with having slightly less physical work to do, we do hang out around the computer for two hours. And, yes. And based on copying, like discussed the. Uh, how the roasting profiles looks mm -hmm. like and what do we think it could get better and because yeah copying coffees we usually do go back to the computer and look mm -hmm. at our profiles and try to figure out what made it taste mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. sweet today or that i don't know vibrant today and mm -hmm. and yeah and learn from it i guess yeah. and when you're talking about the profiles just to let people know that's that we use software that yes uh, kind of does a, a profile of the temperature over time um, as we roast the coffee. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I'm sitting here explaining this. <laughs> because I forgot not, not all of you out there are roasters. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> For the non-roasters out there in the audience. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I, I think the not obvious thing is that every coffee is different, just like every, every wine is different. Um, and every apple is different and every, you know, so, so every coffee bean we get in, we decide how we're going to roast it. And depending on how, what temperature, um, the drum is when we put the coffee in and how much gas we use to, to, to basically cook it, roast it, um, and how long the whole roast takes. Generally, those are the three parameters. Mm -hmm. Um, the coffee will come out tasting different. Mm -hmm. Um, the, you can bring out different flavors in the coffee depending on what, what's naturally in there. So, um, and then, you know, you can roast those flavors out too, if they're, if they're not nice flavors. Mm -hmm. Um, we tend to buy coffee that has only nice flavors in yes. it. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> only nice flavors need a fly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I feel like my role as a roaster mostly is to just not mess the coffee up. Yeah, you know, I've, like, heard, I've heard that say, said about roasting. Like, yeah. you have all the potential in the bean yeah. that's been put there through the process of it mm. being grown, and then every single thing you do from that bean being picked mm -hmm. on downwards can negatively affect it. Mm -hmm. But you can't add anything in. Right. So, yeah, you're trying to basically reach No, that. but you can, like, if, but you can... As Rachel kind of said, you can mask some things if oh, you sure. have some bad flavors yeah. in there. So I guess like the the, the huge part of of uh, of learning process and becoming better and better roaster 
is ability to buy really good coffee and mm -hmm. be able when we get a, a tiny that's a part of our job too that we get a tiny sample of like 50 grams of coffee that we roast on our sample roaster so we basically get one up to two coppings from it so and and we don't have a chance to try different profiles of how this coffee would roast this way or this way we just get one shot on it and and to be able to based on this like a tiny tiny window look into that mm -hmm. that that green coffee be able to tell if uh, how it's gonna taste on mm -hmm. on our, our roster and and is it gonna serve the purpose we need it for sometimes we need it for espresso sometimes we need it more for filter and and different reasons behind i think yeah the the, the big part is to learn to buy really good coffees and then you can then then your job goes down to just don't mess don't it up. Don't mess it up, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it can be, and it can be really, like, high pressure because we do, we get a tiny little sample, we cup it two times, maybe, yeah. and we're spending thousands of time, thousands of pounds mm -hmm. in a pop, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, you don't want to mess that up. No. No, you don't, no. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, I don't know about you guys, but I am finding there is so much interesting stuff I want to talk to these guys about. And uh, we were wanting to keep our podcast down to about a half hour length. Um, so what we're going to do is maybe finish up here for today. Um, and then we will carry on uh, with the second half of this podcast next week. Um, so we're going to be talking again uh, some more with Rachel and Ludvika in next week's episode. So please stay tuned for that. Thank you.